Hello and welcome to the Chess Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Dominique Pepper. On behalf of CHEST, I would like to welcome you to this month's CHEST podcast. My name is Dominique Pepper, and I'm the moderator of the CHEST podcast section. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today for what will be a really great conversation with Dr. Jessica Bond from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We'll be discussing her paper on computed tomography imaging and comorbidities in COPD beyond lung cancer screening. So, Dr. Bond, great to have you here. Um, Could you please introduce yourself? Sure, great, and thank you for having me, Dr. Pepper. Um, So I'm Jessica Bond, and I'm an Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine. Yeah, an absolutely great pleasure to have you here, and a really interesting paper that you uh, have published in CHESS looking at uh, CT imaging and comorbidities in COPD. Maybe you could give us the rationale on why you'll perform this review article. Absolutely. So my research focus has been on comorbidities and COPD, and and specifically I've looked at um, COPD-related osteoporosis. So I feel, you know, pretty passionate about um, screening our patients for this disease. I think particularly with osteoporosis, it's one of the comorbidities that we know is prevalent in COPD. It doesn't always track with the severity of the lung disease itself. And it's one of those comorbidities that we are often missing and underdiagnosing. So um, we've done some work previously where we've, um, ourselves and others, have shown that things like radiographic emphysema and CT scan is independently associated with low bone mineral density and with osteoporosis in patients with COPD. Um, and so, you know, started to think about how can we use CT scans that are readily available in our patient population because of lung cancer screening or because perhaps we're doing them to evaluate our COPD patients for lung volume reduction. How can we use these scans to get more information than just how severe is the lung disease? So can we look at um, things like the bone? Can we look at the heart? Can we look at body composition and get information from these tests that have already been completed in our patients? And that is really intriguing because uh, as pulmonologists, we sometimes just focus on the lungs in the CAT scan, but there's a wealth of information as well. And in your article, you discussed, as you mentioned, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, body composition, and pulmonary vascular abnormalities. So maybe we could uh, dive into the cardiovascular disease. Why is cardio- cardiovascular disease so important in COPD? How should we screen for it? And what important information can we glean from uh, the CT scans? Mm-hmm. So, um, cardiovascular disease, we know that it's prevalent in our patients with COPD, and that's even after we adjust for things such as um, risk factors such as aging, smoking, we know that there's still an increased prevalence um, in our patients. We know that um, when patients have exacerbations, there's been some work showing that the um, incidence of cardiovascular events um, following exacerbations um, is increased, um, and that we know that there's increased mortality associated with this comorbidity in, in our COPD patients. So um, we, you know, there are different things that we can get from the CT scan that can clue us in that a patient perhaps has subclinical disease. There have been studies in the general population that have looked at 
um, coronary artery calcifications? Um, and if so, that if you look at CT imaging and you look at coronary artery calcifications on CT imaging, um, this has an additive predictive value when you include it with traditional cardiovascular risk models. So um, there's been quite a few studies now that have looked at this in the general population, um, and there have been several studies now that have also looked at this in the COPD population itself. Um, so the earlier studies have relied mostly on EKG-gated um, CT scans to assess coronary artery calcium burden. Um, and that's, of course, in the, in the research realm, that's easy to do, but clinically we're not routinely getting EKG-gated scans. So some of the more recent work has actually looked at can we use non-gated scans to assess um, coronary risk. And, in fact, these studies have shown that um, have shown that you can there are associations between coronary artery calcifications and various um, important outcomes in COPD, including um, mortality um, as well as lung function and symptom scores and functional capacity. So as a clinician taking care of patients, um, if I have a CAT scan of someone and um, I see calcification in the coronary vessels, is it the presence or the um, severity that matters? And then what testing should I do if I do see it? Yeah, so the studies that have been um, reported so far have showed that um, when there are the where high um, visual scores, they have been predictive of incident cardiovascular events. And these are in some of the um, large cohorts that we currently have, such as the COPD gene study, which is a longitudinal cohort that can look at prospective um, outcomes. Um, I, I do think that we need to do more work to determine if we see any calcifications. Is that someone, should we be broadly screening these patients or should we, you know, incorporate these cardiovascular um, risk factor into other more traditional risk factors in terms of determining whether or not we should screen? So I, I think there's certainly more work to be done in this area. So let's turn our attention to osteoporosis. As you mentioned, uh, it's, uh, most patients uh, don't get adequately screened for osteoporosis, and yet we um, give them a lot of steroids or uh, prednisone, which uh, increases the risk of osteoporosis and vertebral fractures. So maybe you can give us a bit of a background as to why osteoporosis is so important, how we should be screening for it, what should we be looking at on the CAT scan, and what our therapies would be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, certainly osteoporosis is prevalent in um, COPD and patients with COPD. And in terms of the prevalence rates, it really varies with the populations that have been studied. Um, we know that in patients with COPD that have hip fractures, they do um, poorly. And there, there have been studies that have shown if you look at um, groups of patients that have had hip fractures, those with COPD have higher mortality risk than those without. We also know that um, something such as a vertebral fracture, um, which is also can be very prevalent in our patients with, os- um, with COPD, that vertebral fractures can cause pain and morbidity. There are some studies showing that it can uh, impact lung function as well. Um, I think it's, it's a really important disease because it's a silent disease. So if you don't screen for it, you're not going to know that a patient has it until a fracture occurs. And at that point, it's probably too late. So this is a disease that we really need to pick up in the early stages so that we can intervene and prevent fracture from occurring. Um, and, you know, I've, in terms of um, screening, 
we do a fairly good job in women because we have general guidelines that tell us that when a woman hits the age of 65, she should have sexist screening for osteoporosis. So I think in general, unless it's for our women, we're picking up osteoporosis um, more than in men. In men, the guidelines are not as clear. Some of the guidelines, such as the U.S. Preventative Task Force, say that there's not enough evidence to um, to recommend screening at all in men. Others recommend screening at the age of 70. So we, there's some conflicting opinions in terms of guidelines for men, and I think that's where um, anecdotally, clinically, we're seeing that we're, we're missing it, and we're having patients men with COP come in with a hip fracture that are 72 years old and has never had a DEXA scan. Um, with that being said, I think that it's probably um, not going to be cost effective to say, well, we should screen everyone with COPD at the age of, let's say, 55 or 60 prior to what's recommend the recommended age of 65. Um, that's probably not going to be cost effective because we, we will probably have a lot of um, COP patients that have relatively normal bone mineral density. But I think if we can come up with ways to target screening in the highest risk patients, um, that's going to be important. And in your paper, you mentioned that uh, because it's a CAT scan of the chest, we usually just have the thoracic uh, vertebrae available. So what specifically should a clinician look at in the thoracic vertebrae to alert them to say, you know what, I need to do um, DEXA scanning? Yes, I think that's, you know, that's an area that we, we still need a lot of work in that area because we, right now, the studies that have looked at using thoracic CT scans to assess bone mineral density have, most have used a bone phantom where you're, you're placing the patient's laying on a phantom when they get scanned. The bone phantom allows the radiologist to then use software to convert the attenuation of the vertebral bodies um, into bone mineral density, into volumetric bone mineral density. And that's something that we, we're doing. So we're doing that, for instance, in the COPD gene cohort. We are using a bone phantom when we scan some of our participants, but that's not something that's routinely being done clinically. So um, more recent work has looked at Hounsfield unit attenuation of the vertebral bodies and has shown that the attenuation of the vertebral bodies is associated with bone mineral density on DEXA scan. It's also been associated with um, bone mineral density not only in the spine but in the hip as well. Um, but again, this is a technique that for, in most cases requires a researcher to sit down and to circle the areas of interest on a CT scan and then put that CT scan through um, specialized software to, to get the results. So um, I think we have a ways to go before we can just look at the CT scan or and have an answer as to what the bone mineral density is. And I, but I do believe that, you know, every day we're making progress in automated techniques and more sophisticated um, algorithms and software that we will get to a point someday where we can do that. Um, I think right now what we can do as physicians caring for COPD patients is as I said before, we do have good evidence that emphysema on the CT scan is independently associated with low bone mineral density with osteoporosis. So I think if you're a physician caring for a COPD patient and if 
even if this patient's not is a woman who has not hit the age of 65 where you would be screening her anyway, let's say she's 62, and you look at her CT scan and you see a lot of emphysema, that would be someone that, you know, in my mind, I would start to think about maybe I should do one baseline DEXA scan now just to make sure that her bone density isn't low or she doesn't have osteoporosis and need definitive therapy. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to, to get the DEXA scans on those with emphysema. So let's turn our attention to body composition and why is body composition different from body mass index and what can we glean from uh, analyzing body composition? Yeah, so body body mass index can be very deceiving, as I'm sure you you or you know. There have been studies that have been done in COPD populations that have shown that even those participants that had normal, would fall within the normal range of body mass index, they actually have low muscle mass and have sarcopenia. Um, there's been work that there's a term called um, sarcopene, sarcopenic obesity where they, the patient actually, based on BMI, is obese, but they have low muscle mass as well. And, and low muscle mass, we know, has been um, associated with mortality and morbidity and and the like, um, and other, you know, detrimental outcomes in COPD. So I think we have to kind of move away from just relying on BMI and um, start to think about the muscle mass itself. Um, and, you know, the best, the gold standard for looking at body composition and muscle mass would be doing a DEXA scan and doing a whole body DEXA where you, where you are, it breaks it down into the fat content and the lean content and, and the bone content. But that's, again, not something that I think we're routinely doing clinically. We're certainly doing it in our research studies, but not for our, for our patients we're seeing in clinics. So, um, the CT scan does provide some ability to look at muscle mass. So there's work coming out of um, several groups looking at pectoralis muscle area, and they have shown that pectoralis muscle area correlates well with fat-free mass index on the DEXA scan. Um, there have been researchers that have, have uh, created indices where they use the, the PMA to... Um, derive fat-free mass index um, in, in their, their studies. Um, we know that PMA has been associated with mortality and it's been associated with lung function and different important outcomes in COPD as well. So I think that the PMA is actually a readily available measure um, that we can have on the CT scan that's being done for other clinical reasons. And then you mentioned the importance of a visceral fat accumulation um, in COPD. Maybe you could just uh, inform our audience about that. Mm -hmm. So and we know, and there's, there's a lot of work that's been done, you know, in the general population, not just in COPD, that, that has shown that visceral fat accumulation, um, when it's increased, it's associated with um, different diseases such as diabetes and high blood pressure and um, reflux that has been associated with inflammation. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's something, again, that we can get from a CT scan. Um, some, many of the studies have looked at abdominal CT scans for visceral fat accumulation, but there have been more recent studies that have looked at cuts um, on the thoracic CT scans where you have a cut that includes the liver and the spleen and you can quantify the visceral fat 
in that cut. Um, we've done a little bit of work, our group, where we've, we've looked at not visceral fat, but mediastinal fat volume, um, and have shown that correlates as well with increased systemic inflammation and lower exercise capacity, um, and then, um, other, other outcomes. So I, I, you know, it's again, something that is readily available on the test CT scan. I, I do think that this, again, is an area that certainly needs further work, but it would, it would be nice if someday we could have automated software that could um, quantify visceral fat easily from the CT scan and perhaps risk stratify patients, um, and that's information that we could provide our patients. Great. And then the final topic that you covered in your review paper was pulmonary hypertension and COPD. So maybe for our audience, so what are you looking for on the CAT scan to um, uh, correlate with the pulmonary hypertension and what uh, can we use that data for? Mm-hmm. So there's been work um, that's been done looking at the pulmonary artery to ascending aorta ratio on test CT scan. And um, what we're looking with that ratio is for a ratio that's greater than one. So there have been studies that have shown that if that ratio is greater than one, that it is indicative of pulmonary hypertension um, with fairly um, decent sensitivity and specificity. So a sensitivity of 70%, a specificity of 92%. Um, there have also been studies that have looked at this PA to A ratio in terms of COPD exacerbations and have again shown that if um, someone has a PA to A ratio that is greater than one, that it was independently associated with severe exacerbations, um, both retrospectively as well as in prospective follow-up. Um, so this is something certainly if you know, I, I do use clinically if I have a patient that is coming into my clinic with COPD and they're, they're, you know, short of breath, their shortness of breath is disproportionate to their lung function. Um, and perhaps their diffusing capacity is, is, is disproportionately low. And we're starting to think about could this patient have, um, comorbid pulmonary hypertension? Um, I will use a CT scan to, you know, that's something that you can easily do with, you know, I think just routine software that, that most hospitals have that you can measure, um, the physician themselves can measure the, the pulmonary artery diameter and the aorta diameter and then determine what the PA to A ratio is, it is. And if I see that it's above one, that's going to at least clue me in that maybe I need to start thinking about doing a little further workup for pulmonary hypertension in this patient. Gotcha. So one of the strengths of your review paper um, is that you definitely took a more holistic approach to patients with COPD. You said you, you, you informed the audience, you know, maybe pay attention to cardiovascular disease, pay attention to osteoporosis, sarcopenia, and pulmonary hypertension. And one of the questions some of the audience members may ask is, you know, um, a lot of the data that you present is association. So what kind of studies do we need in the future to change it just from an association or correlation and to move it into the realm of, you know, we definitely should screen for this based on what we see on the CT image and, and what uh, further interventions we should perform? Mm-hmm. So I, I think we need we need prospective studies. So we need longitudinal cohorts. We're we're very fortunate to have several NIH funded cohorts at this point in COPD that where they are collecting longitudinal data um, in in this patient population. Um, you know, again, my my research is in osteoporosis, and I think one of the frustrations I've had with that research has been that 
you can, you know, we have our own single center cohort at the University of Pittsburgh, and we've been following them longitudinally, and we're, we're getting DEXA scans, and we can certainly look at the osteopenia and osteoporosis, but really fracture is the important outcome that you, you're looking for. If someone has osteoporosis but never fractures, it, it probably doesn't matter as much. Um, and it's so it, it, it's difficult to look at fracture if you only have five years of data. But in cohorts such as COPD gene, where we now have 10-year data, we were able to look at long-term fracture risk in that cohort. And, and again, with emphysema, we're able to show not only um, were exacerbations associated with um, incident hip fracture in that cohort, but also having radiographic emphysema was associated with incident hip fracture. So I think we need to just continue collecting longitudinal data um, and prospectively looking at these important um, comorbid outcomes in our, our COPD populations. I agree, definitely a lot more uh, studies uh, are needed. And then one of the questions I had was about the difference between low-dose uh, um, CT scans that we use for lung cancer screening versus the regular CAT scans that we do in patients. Um, the image processing is slightly, is slightly different, so how would that inform uh, your interpretation of uh, the, the, uh, your assessment for cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, or body composition? Yes, I think for some of the measures, it's going to be easier to assess with low dose than others. Um, certainly, the amount of emphysema. So if you're going to use emphysema as a marker of, you know, for someone that potentially has low bone density, you would be able to determine that. The, the pectoralis muscle area, you should be able to easily measure that as well. Um, you can see coronary calcifications. I, I do think that we need to do more work, more practical work. So a lot of our, um, you know, the studies that have looked at quantitative imaging and have looked at comorbidities, have it's been within the context of research cohorts where we're getting higher dose CT scans. So I think there is a need for studies um, specifically looking at low dose CT scans and some of these quantitative um, techniques and whether, you know, the findings are still, we're still finding that these strong associations between what we're seeing quantitatively and then the, the prevalence of comorbid disease. Thanks. And um, I just want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything during this podcast that we haven't covered uh, that you prepared for that you think our audience uh, should definitely know about? No, I just, you know, I think it's really important that we think about this. You said about this kind of holistic approach to our patients, and I think, you know, as, as physicians that care for patients with COPD, I think we, we really do need to focus on um, the whole patient, so not just worrying about, you know, optimizing the treatment for their lung disease, but making sure that they don't have these, any of these comorbid conditions. I know that I've, I've ordered a lot of DEXA scans in the, um, over the years for my patients, and you know, I, I have a um, clinic at the VA hospital, which is predominantly men, and we're just not thinking about osteoporosis in men. I've diagnosed a lot of osteoporosis in my COPD clinic. So I think it's just important as physicians for us to be aware that um, this is a problem and it's something that we need to be thinking about when we're caring for our patients. I agree. And then one last question for you, Jessica, um, and it's related to COVID. Um, so how has COVID affected your care of patients with COPD, and um, what priorities would you uh, say clinicians need to focus on um, in this COVID era in terms of COPD management? 
Yeah, so it's been interesting. So I, I found that my COPD patients have been very adherent to um, the recommendations to self-isolate and to mask and, and to avoid public areas. Um, so they're, they're a, a bit hesitant to come into clinic, and, and we don't necessarily want them to come into clinic unless they have to. So we, we've certainly done a lot more telemedicine. With our with our COPD patients, um, the interesting thing what we've we've found um, at least to the to date is that because they are tending to self isolate already, I've actually seen a little bit of a decrease in terms of exacerbations in my clinic population. Um, so I think there has been some good that's come out of that. Um, I, I do get concerned that they're just afraid to come in and they're they're staying at home and 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 just you know, getting through their exacerbation without being seen. Um, but I, I think it's just important for us with our patients to reinforce um, mask wearing and the importance of just routine, you know, immunization. So getting their flu shot this fall, this winter. Um, and then I, I think the other thing that, that certainly has been a negative impact on my patients is, you know, we all know the importance of pulmonary rehab um, in these patients. And Rehab for a while, rehabs were closed. Um, in our area, they were closed in the spring. They eventually reopened in the summer, and then I would say that most of my COPD patients didn't want to go back because they were afraid to be around other people. So I think, you know, that that's certainly been a negative impact of the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've had a similar experience with the pulmonary rehab, but also um, the, the greater feature of that there's been a lot fewer exacerbations because patients aren't going to the grocery stores and, you know, most of the grocery stores now are wiping the carts down, which I, I can't remember them ever doing in the past. Uh, so there have been some improvements, but as you mentioned, uh, there's some setbacks. Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you, um, and thank you so much for your time. Um, a very big thank you to Dr. Bond for her insightful conversation, and a very big thank you to our chess community for joining us. I'm Dominic Pepper, and this is a chess podcast.